It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by player prop fantasy football expert Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. You guys could also get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. Money Picks Podcast. We've got the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. Now, guys, we only have four games to work with, so Chris and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to do the best that we can. Uh, we have a lot of games right now that don't have player props, so we're going to do the best we can to give you guys what we see right now. And then we can talk a little bit about the game, something that Chris and I, you know, we usually don't do. You know, we usually just dig into fantasy football and the props, but we'll try to expand a little bit for you guys this week. Chris, your Cincinnati Bengals have moved on. I'm sure you're quite happy about that. Uh, you know, I've been a, an advocate for your team and, and pushing them along. They're going to be on the road. They're going to face Tennessee. Right now, current line on this game, Tennessee, uh, minus three and a half. We have a total of 47 and a half. Uh, I do like one player prop, and actually I like two player props in this game. Both of them are on the Tennessee side. Doesn't mean I'm picking them, but I do like T- Tannehill over 237 and a half passing yards, and I like Julio Jones over three and a half catches. I think those two will probably connect quite a bit here. I know A.J. Brown is, you know, let's just say he's the number one, but I think with Derrick Henry coming back, people might focus on him a little bit more. They might focus on the number one in Brown. I think Julio might be left open you know, a little bit more than people might think. And look, he was brought to this team for a specific reason, to go ahead and chip in. Don't leave it all on one or two guys. And I think that they really try to utilize him here. And look, they're going to have an extra week. They got rested. Cincinnati's defense, their defensive front, probably not going to be too much of an issue here. It's a little bit banged up. So maybe Tannehill does get the time. Maybe he gets a couple extra throws. I do lean to the over in this one, 47 and a half. I think we see a lot of points in this one. So those are the two that I'm looking at right now. As far as the Cincinnati side is concerned, I'll tell you, it's tough to get away from Chase, dude. You know, after what we saw last week, like that's the number one. Burrow loves that guy. So I, I could understand I wouldn't fault you if you like if you like Chase over his receiving yards, over his catches or anything like that, maybe even over his touchdowns. But um, that's kind of what I'm thinking with that game right now. Yeah, when you look at these two teams, I, I think both offenses are set up in really good spots. I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of sharp people are on the over for this game. Uh, over 47, I believe, or 47 and a half. I've seen both numbers out there this week. Um, and I'm kind of with I'm kind of with people on that. I mean, when you look overall, Tennessee has a distinct run blocking advantage according to PFF. They got a plus 73% grade. I believe that's the second best on the week, only behind the San Francisco 49ers, which we'll obviously talk about a lot. There's a couple of props I like in that game too. Um, A.J. Brown, great matchup. Third best uh, rated wide receiver defensive back matchup, according to PFF. Julio Jones also has an upgrade uh, top 10 matchup on the week, uh, whereas Chester Rogers in the slot, Anthony Ferks are at tight end. We're getting downgrades for them in the short area of the passing game, going up against slot cornerback Mike Hilton. Bengals also have some uh, some decent defensive backs in Eli Apple, Chidobe Awuzie, and despite them losing Ogunjobi, one of their better defensive linemen last week uh, to an injury, they are getting DJ Reader back. So I, I think it's kind of like a one-for-one swap there, even though they, they did give up a lot of production and efficiency to the Raiders last week. I, I believe the Titans should have success running the ball, whether it's Derrick Henry, whether it's Dante Foreman, some type, t- some type of mix of the two. Uh, as of now, you know, no... Henry props, obviously, but I believe that the prop line will come out somewhere in the 90s. I think we're going to get maybe like a 10-yard discount, assuming he's, uh, you know, 
full, full, full go and activated for this game. I think we'll get maybe like a 10 or so yard discount, maybe 15 yard discount. Cause we were used to seeing his lines in like the, you know, one Oh five to one ten range when he was at his full strength during the regular season. Um, you know, on the Bengals side, we get, we get upgrades, uh, wide receiver, defensive back matchup upgrades for both Jamar Chase and T Higgins, as well as CJ Uzoma. Uh, Uzoma's really come on of late in terms of his volume. I think he's had six plus targets in five of his last six games or something along those lines. Uh, he does have a pretty tough matchup on paper against uh, uh, the Tennessee safety, but I don't know. This is the type of matchup where, you know, you look at what the Titans want to do, you know, they're obviously going to want to slow down Jamar Chase and that could open things up for Uzoma uh, over the middle of the field, despite him having a bad matchup on paper. Tennessee's number three, out of 32 teams in DVOA against tight ends. So obviously, you know, you have the red marker around Uzoma for a matchup downgrade, but I don't know if I want to rush to bet that under automatically. That is an under that I am looking at, CJ Uzoma, under his receiving yards. Uh, I believe that's around 32 and a half. I- I've got him projected a little less than 30 yards in this game. Uh, you know, But I don't know if we're getting enough of a discount to make that an official play. So that- that's kind of where I'm at there. Uh, you know, DFS wise, like I want to be all over Jamar Chase and AJ Brown in this game. I mean, these are the two clear alpha dog wide receivers in their respective offenses. And these are also two of the defenses that allow the biggest deep plays in the league. Uh, Cincinnati and Tennessee are both bottom 10 in DVOA against the deep pass. Uh, Tennessee has also given up the 10th most fantasy quarterback points this year. Uh, you know, Burroughs 8.9 yards per attempt led the league among passers with at least 50 throws. So uh, there's just so many stats you can go to that are going to say that both these quarterbacks should have success if they go to the air. And, you know, obviously the Titans could stick to the ground, but I think they're, they're going to want to just not give it all to Derrick Henry if he does wind up playing. You're obviously on the Tannehill passing yards prop. You know, the, I have not made an official play for this game yet, Sleepy, but I do like the idea of going to the longest completion overs and longest reception prop overs for quite a few of the players that we're talking about here. Uh, You know, Burrow you can get right now, uh, longest passing completion, I believe is 38 and a half, Tannehill 34 and a half. And with those type of explosive playmakers we're talking about, I think those, you could get solid value on those plays as well as just Jamar Chase's after the catch ability as well as AJ uh, Brown's after the catch ability as well there too. So that's kind of where I'm looking overall for this game. I I think the Bengals are absolutely live to win this game. Uh, I think there's value on the plus three and a half. I I like three and a half. I'm I'm not going to overreact to like the bad situational spot that the Bengals are supposedly in. I think the monkey's off their back and they're going to be playing relaxed in this game. And I think the pressure really is actually on Tennessee being the number one seed and then proven that they deserve that number one seed. So I think the Bengals are going to come out loose. And if the Bengals wind up playing from behind, that could actually work out in, in their favor because when Burroughs open it up passing-wise, they've been able to beat almost any team in the league. So that, that's kind of where I'm at for this game. I think it's going to be very competitive. I expect both offenses to have, have success, and I definitely want to have a lot of DFS action if I'm playing the full four-game slate for this game. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris, when it comes to the Titans with the pressure. Cincinnati shouldn't have any pressure. I mean, the pressure has been on that team you know, for the last 31 years to go ahead and win a playoff game, you know, they did that. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, that they might come down, that it was, you know, this big celebratory thing. But I watched Joe Burrow in the interview right after the game, and he was like, look, okay, like we we accomplished something that, that hasn't been done in a long time. And he was like, but that's not the goal. He was like, the goal is, 
you know, to win next week and the week after that and to win the Super Bowl and to keep building and, and keep growing, you know, and, 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 you know, just keep doing things the right way. He's a different type of quarterback. I think you, you can see that, that he's a different breed. You know, he's in there, you know, with, with the Mahomes and the Brady's and, and, you know, and the Herberts and guys like that coming up. Like, he's a different type of quarterback. He's a franchise guy that you're going to be able to build around, you know, for the next 15 years with that franchise. So I agree with you. I think the pressure is on Tennessee. I don't think it's on Cincinnati. And I think really the, the reason why Cincinnati probably has zero pressure on them, they don't have to face Buffalo and they don't have to face Kansas City. I think if that was the matchup that they had to go ahead and face here, then it might be a little bit daunting. Then there might be some pressure. But you're right. They're live. They think they can win this game. And I think that that's the scary part is that out of these two teams, which team is the most confident? I think it, it, it's the Bengals, the fact that they got this particular draw. And, look, I know Derrick Henry's coming back, and that's going to make you know, that's gonna make things tough for Cincinnati. But, look, Tennessee's been good all year long. They can beat Cincinnati easily, but I like your I like your angle there. Like I, I need to know that I have motivation. I need to know that I have confidence and I need to know that, you know, that they're not going to let down. And, and a lot of people think the opposite, that they will let down. Uh, I don't believe so. I think Cincinnati is on, you know, they're on a mission. They're a little bit different than, you know, the team that hasn't made the playoffs or haven't, hasn't won a, a playoff game in, in quite some time. They're on a mission. They're a different team. You know, I, I talked about this. I don't know if it was on our podcast or when it, when I did one with Uncle Dave. I'm like, look, dude, the Bengals' offense is probably – it's in the top three. I mean, I don't think you can deny them that. Is it as good as Tennessee's? I, th- I think it's right there. Is it as good as Kansas City? I think it's right there. I think it's better than Buffalo. I think it's better than Tampa. I think it's better than the Rams. This team's for real, and that's why I've been on them all year long. I, I, I think finally I, I – uh, you know, I coached you enough to – to believe in your team and and to you know understand that this team is for real. Yeah, they're young, but you know what? They got ballers. You know, so I, I kind of like them. I I hope they win. I have a big future ticket on them, but you know I've been also preaching Tennessee now. I've been preaching them for weeks now. It's like so the fact that I got these two teams you know going up against each other. I'm not going to be upset you know if one or the other wins because I think that one of these two teams could easily beat. Buffalo, and I think they could beat Kansas City and, and find themselves, you know, playing in the Super Bowl. So um, that's where I'm at with that game. I just want to throw in, like, back to the longest pass completion, longest reception props. Like, the guys I want to look at for this are Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and A.J. Brown. Um, the Titans defense, I mean, Sleepy, I, I looked at every single metric possible thinking that the Titans had some type of above average elite level pass rush. And and I couldn't find it, honestly. I mean, they have an above average run defense, uh, depending on who you look at, you know, their run block win rate is number four on ESPN. Uh, Run DVOA is only 14. So average there number 10 overall in terms of their run defense PFF grade. So they're an above average run defense. They have a very small advantage there in their run defense versus Cincinnati's run blocking. Uh, you know, will Joe Mixon being a little bit banged up affect much there? I don't think so personally. They have a slight advantage in their pass rush. Nothing to really note of that we want to make bets on uh, or anything like that. Um, and their secondary is is slightly above average as well. So this is a good, solid defense. But you know, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders came in, and we were worried about how their pass rush was going to affect the Bengals having one of the you know, probably lesser pass blocking units in the league. 
I, I think that the Bengals are more suited to pass protect against the Titans team, which isn't going to blitz very much on the edge. They're going to try to run their four defensive linemen and, and rush the quarterback that way and drop a lot of guys in coverage here. So uh, I don't know if, if there's going to be much you know, to worry about in terms of the Bengals being able to pass protect against this Titans pass rush here. Uh, and then just overall, I mean, these are com- two complete opposite teams in terms of what they want to do. Over the last month, the Bengals are number seven in pass rate over expectation. The Titans are 30th. So, you know, bottom three in pass rate over expectations. That means they pass, you know, less than 7% of the time compared to the rest of the league when games are within seven points or less. Uh, you know, which team can assert their style? And then, uh, again, like I said, if the, if the Titans wind up getting an early lead here and the Bengals are forced to open up the playbook with Burrow, that could work in their favor just like it did when they came back and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs just a few weeks back as well. Um, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, last note here, his yards per attempt would have been the highest in the league if you take a small sample of when just – uh, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry were all on the field together. His yards per pass attempt went from 7 to 9.4. That would have been number one on the year overall. And then Joe Burrow, on the other hand, he, he's right up there with them for the entire season. Uh, Joe Burrow is completing passes at one of the best yards per attempt clips this year. And then the Titans defense, they're bottom 10 in the league in 20-plus yard completions allowed and 40-plus yard completions allowed. And then you look at Chase and Higgins, they have uh, average at the targets, dots, 12.6 and 12.9 yards. So when Burrow's going to open it up, he's going to be looking for both Chase and Higgins. Uh, so that, that, to me, is the most interesting place to look here. You know, which team can establish their style first and foremost? Will it be the Titans on the ground? Will it be the Bengals through the air? I think either way, we're going to get some big play opportunity for Chase, for Higgins, and for A.J. Brown. Uh, and those long completion pass overs, I, I really like, especially the Tannehill one, 34 and a half. It's not like they're just going to run the ball 40 times. Tannehill will have opportunities. And this Bengals secondary, they're solid, but they're not anything to fear. So that, that, that that's the way I really want to attack this game uh, from a prop perspective, just strategy-wise here. Yeah, obviously this is probably going to be the, the game in which, you know, we see more overs than anything. You know, I, I could also make a case for, for Mixon going over his rushing yards. I know he kind of soured us last week, but over 60 and a half makes sense to me. And one of the things about Burrow, you know, when it comes to teams that blitz him, uh, if you're going to blitz him, you're going to pay. And I think that if Tennessee's not going to blitz him, that they might just say, all right, great, you know, we can go to Mixon here too. And look, I think both teams are going to have success on the ground, both teams success in the air. That's why, you know, I lean to the over in this one. But I can make a case for a lot of guys in this one, Chris. It's tough for me to go ahead and say, "Yeah, you know what? This is a bad matchup, or uh, this this doesn't fit their you know their their style or their type of game plan." Like I feel like there's just a lot of guys that we can look at in this one and probably have a pretty decent result. Let's jump over to 49ers and Green Bay. So my Packers are in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, you know that um I'll have some you know biased opinions from time to time, but you know I don't like this game at all. To be honest with you, I don't. Um, I'm kind of having like flashbacks, nightmares of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, when he played with San Francisco, I mean, he was just, he was a thorn in my side, uh, the same as, as Russell Wilson was. So I just, I'm worried. I'm scared. I just, I hope my team makes it. I hope they can move on. But I particularly don't like any player props in this one. The reason being is I like the game under. And I don't know who probably ends up struggling, you know, more than anybody. If I had to pick an over, it would be something with Debo. 
I think he gets used heavily in this game. But I would look at the running backs under. I would look at a lot of the receivers under, quarterbacks under. Uh, it's going to be cold in Green Bay. I would do the complete opposite in this game, Chris. It would be probably just nothing but a bunch of unders. I don't know. Maybe use a slot with Green Bay. I could see Rodgers trying to get rid of the ball quick in this game. Uh, you know, a lot of slants. And look, he can use he could use Lazard for that, which he probably won't. But he could certainly use Adams for that. So it's just my head's all over the place. More than anything, it's just I don't want nightmares of, of Colin Kaepernick, you know, games from from the past haunting me again. I just I want to stay away from it. I kind of just want to watch it. And I feel like if I do play anything, that there's a really good chance that I'm going to lose. I just don't have a really good feeling on this one right now. I'm a little bit the opposite. Maybe it's just because, uh, you know, it's not my favorite team playing here in your Packers, but we, you know, we do our mismatch disadvantage, disadvantage sections on our betting player props, cheat sheet, which you can find at bettingpredators.com. We're, again, we're making that free for the rest of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And, and the one takeaway that I have here from this game is that uh, the two biggest mismatches on paper uh, for the week in terms of offense versus defense, either way around is San Francisco. And they have two of the top mismatches for the entire weekend out of the four games. They have a plus 10 run defense advantage over the Packers. And then they have a plus 11 run blocking advantage over the Packers. And obviously Packers here playing in the cold, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because you, you would think the team that has the better run defense and better run blocking, you know, they're going to grind it up front, uh, you know, in between the tackles, et cetera, that would be the team better suited to play in the cold. Whereas like Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, the flashy offense, like they seem like the West coast, California, cool weather type of offense there. So it's going to be interesting to see how much that plays a factor. Obviously, the Packers are used to that. The 49ers are traveling across the country, so the situational spot isn't so great. But again, the 49ers have had the, have had the Packers number over the years. And does Kyle Shanahan have my, uh, Matt LaFleur's number as well there too? So uh, those are things to look for. But to me, there's a clear upgrade for Elijah Mitchell uh, in this game here. I mean, he's had 21-plus carries now uh, in six straight weeks, I believe. And when you look overall at what he's done, he's had 85-plus rushing yards also in five of his last six. Now, two of those games where he cashed both of those props, 21-plus carries and 85-plus rushing yards, two of those came against the Rams over the last six weeks. And the Rams have the number one run defense in the NFL, whether you look at PFF, DVOA, ESPN's run-stop win, uh, win rate metric, et cetera. So I really like everything that that is coming out to be, hey, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's played banged up all year. And, and I think people are overreacting to this. Honestly, I could be wrong here, but I think people are overreacting to the, to the Jimmy G shoulder situation, just like they were overreacting to the to the Tampa Bay Bucks supposed weather game last week, which the weather wind up being fine. It, it, it was literally a non-issue in that game against Philly. Uh, you know, Jimmy G's been banged up all year. When has when Jimmy G not been banged up? And, and even in times in the past with the thumb injury, et cetera, Kyle Shanahan was still trying to force him on the field because he does not trust Trey Lance in big time situations like that. So I expect Jimmy G to play and the, the 49ers going to want to run the ball probably even more than they did uh, against the Cowboys in the wildcard round, a game where they almost had 40 rush attempts as a team around that number. So uh, I expect a lot of Eli Mitchell. I expect a lot of Debo Samuel to be both a rusher and a receiver in this game. And even in, even in games where the Packers won, like, you know, I'm not really worried about game script here. We saw Elijah Mitchell get 21 plus carries when the 49ers were losing to the Rams 17 to nothing. And they came back and won that game. They kept running the ball. 
even a couple weeks ago, the Packers, you know, they were beating the, the, the Browns pretty comfortably. They gave up 17 carries for 126 yards to Nick Chubb. So uh, I, I believe that Mitchell, we go right back to the well with those props. I like his over 19 and a half rush attempts, minus 105 on DraftKings. I also like his rushing yards, 75 and a half, uh, which you can get at points bet minus 125. I'd probably buy that up to about 78 and a half personally. Uh, we've seen consecutive week increases in Mitchell's uh, rushing attempts. 71% of the team's rushing attempts, that number's gone up in three straight weeks now, even with Debo Samuel continuing to play a role uh, uh, as that type of hybrid running back as well there. So I really like Elijah Mitchell. And then on the flip side, before I kick it back to you, Sleep, I really like A.J. Dillon under 42 and a half rushing yards. And, you know, I'm not really worried about, you know, oh, Packers, you know, get a two-touchdown lead. They sit on the ball and they just run the ball and run the clock out. You know, this spread is five and a half for a reason, even with the Jimmy G injury concerns with his shoulder now popping up. Uh, and, and you frankly just can't run in between the tackles against the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they're a top four run DVOA unit. I mentioned the plus 10 uh, run defense advantage they have. And when you look at the teams A.J. Dillon has played this year, uh, played this year that had that type of similar top five, top 10 run defense, he had 41 yards against the Brown, uh, against the Cleveland Browns, 22 yards against the Ravens, six yards against Washington, 30 against the Bengals, 18 the last time they played the Niners, and 19 against the Saints in week one. So anytime he's gone up against an above-average run defensive unit, A.J. Dillon has struggled because he's that grinder in between the tackles guy, and this is the not this is not the type of matchup you can do that on. They're going to need Aaron Jones throughout this entire game to make explosive plays on the perimeter, on the edge, uh, in the receiving game as well. And I believe Aaron Jones now multiple weeks healthy from his knee injury. He's going to be more of a workhorse back like we saw Cam Akers be with the Rams, like we saw you know other teams use with Devin Singletary with the Bills. I, I believe the Packers lean heavily on Aaron Jones in this game here. So I, I really like Elijah Mitchell's over for the Niners. I really like also A.J. Dillon's under 42 and a half uh, at FanDuel. I'd probably play that all the way down to 39 and a half. Yeah, I don't hate the Elijah Mitchell either. You know, one of the things I think you have, you have to consider, one, the weather will be cold, and if Jimmy G uh, has any type of issues at all, they're going to hand the ball off. I mean, what's the recipe for success for San Francisco? It's probably not let Jimmy G throw the ball uh, against Green Bay, you know, a whole lot. Like, the last thing they, they want is Rodgers, uh, you know, getting in a rhythm and, and that offense getting warm. So, and, and look, I think you can run on Green Bay you know, to a certain extent and have some success. So I think it would make sense for, you know, for San Fran to probably run the ball as much as they possibly can just to keep Rodgers on the sideline. So we'll see. Hopefully my Packers end up winning, but um, I'm going to be nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be nervous for your Bengals too. Let's jump over to the Rams. Let's jump over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers right now, minus three. We have a total in this game of 48 and a half. Uh, I like the Rams in this one. I think that this is this is a big step up in class here for the Buccaneers. And look, a lot of people thought that Philly would, you know, give Tampa issues last week. A lot of sharp money came in on Philadelphia. Um, I lean that way strongly to Philly just because I was worried. I thought I thought maybe the the Tampa Bay injuries would eventually catch up to them. Uh, I thought maybe some of the departures with Godwin. Guys like that, you know, would, would end up, you know, A.B. would hurt them. And, look, it, it didn't show up against Philly. Um, I mean, Philly stinks. I mean, I could have picked four other teams in the NFC that could have put up a much better fight. I mean, if you put Minnesota in there with Cousins and Cook and, and Jefferson, they give Tampa all all the trouble that they need. 
uh, in Philadelphia, like, look, they made it. Congratulations. Cool. But they didn't really give Tampa much of an effort. And I think the Rams do. I think Rams are, I don't want to say stacked and loaded, but, you know, they're going to throw another wrench into the system with, with Cam Akers coming back. Uh, he looked really good last week. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, you know, you got Jefferson out there. You got Cup. You got Higby really getting in the mix. So I think Tampa has their hands full here. And I do think that the departures and the injuries show up. And look, Tom Brady, for as great as he is, Chris, um, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. And I just don't know, you know, with somebody like Aaron Donald breathing down your neck and Von Miller breathing down your neck and, and Jalen Ramsey taking guys away, I think Brady's going to need some extra time to let things develop. And I just don't, I don't think he's going to have that time. And I don't think he has the timing down in the rapport with, you know, the other guys that he has on the field. So I worry about Tampa overall. I think if Tampa really wants to have success in this game and keep this game close, they have to run the football. So I would actually look maybe at some four net props like the Rams, maybe look at some four net props, but I do have my concerns here for Tampa Bay. I think there's a big step up in class. Well, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're really going to like the Rams then if uh, Fournette doesn't play because there hasn't been any indication that he's going to play yet this week. It's looking like it might be another committee situation with Giovanni Bernard and Kashawn Vaughn. I think Fournette's going to play. I think the reason why they kept him out last week is because they played Philadelphia and they probably didn't feel that they needed him. Like, let's get him an extra week because we're going to need him, you know, in the following week. So, I mean, look, he, he may not play. But I think he will. I think that that was all kind of by design. Um, and we saw, you know, we saw the results from last week. They didn't need him. So, but wasn't Vaughn banged up too as well? Uh, no, I think I think Vaughn's fine. He hasn't been on the injury report this week, so he's good to go. Uh, Ronald Jones still not practicing. Uh, I think he hurt his ankle week 17 or week 18. Uh, but, you know, Cyril Grayson still not back. Uh, back-to-back DMPs Wednesday and Thursday. Actually, Brashad Perriman, back-to-back DNPs, he banged up his hip, tried to play through it in that wildcard game there. So I don't know. I mean, I guess Scotty Miller's going to be the next guy on the outside to step up if we don't get Brashad Perriman. You're going to see uh, three wide receiver sets with uh, Mike Evans, obviously. He's going to be roaming around. I-, I like when the Bucks use Mike Evans. Like when Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin were playing – you know, you saw Mike Evans constantly just get relegated to like perimeter wide receiver, you know, give give long shots to him deep, throw it to him in a red zone. And he wasn't really used that much between the 20s other than third down type of possession type plays. But when they use him as the alpha wide receiver in this off- offense, you really see his skills stand out uh, in a big way. So I, I like Mike Evans. I think he, he can have a good game here uh, against this Rams secondary. And you know, I don't know if uh, – none of us know, actually, if Jalen Ramsey actually will shadow uh, Mike Evans. You know, I, they, they've barely used Jalen Ramsey to shadow all year. And in the last time they played, Mike Evans had eight catches for 106 yards. He has way less comp- uh, target competition now as well. Uh, his two highest uh, yards per route run marks have come in the last two games, so – Everything's pointing up for Mike Evans here. You know, season high 28% target share in the wild card round, 20% plus targets in consecutive games now. Uh, and, and I expect if Fournette does play, I think he'll get targeted a lot. Like, he'll definitely be used as that type of receiver. And as I think Giovanni Bernard will, too. Like, you know, we all said they were signing Giovanni Bernard to be the James White of this offense. And, you know, what happened during the year? Bernard couldn't stay healthy. And Fournette, like, he basically, uh, he, 
he basically evolved into a really good pass catching running back. So that's something we got to keep our eye on here. I, I think the key thing here, Sleepy, is Andrew Whitworth for the Rams. You know, he has not practiced all week. Uh, he exited, uh, I think, on the first snap of last Monday night's win over Arizona. Came back, but wasn't really effective. Uh, DNP's Wednesday and Thursday for him. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, you know, all pro right tackle for the Bucks. Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen. Uh, even Josh Wells, the backup for worse, he's hurt even though he got a limited practice in on Thursday. So, you know, I think these are really big deals here because we're talking about two of the, you know, two of the top five or six defensive lines in the entire league. You know, you're going to upgrade those defensive lines if Whitworth's out for the Rams, you know, if Wirfs and Jensen are out for the Bucks here. So I think that makes a big deal in terms of how we want to handicap this game prop-wise especially. Um but it's funny, like we we pay so we we pay so much attention to the offenses between these two teams, but the defenses to me are the ones that stand out more than anything. I mean, the Rams have the number one graded pass rush on whatever metric you look at. You know, they have a pass blocking advantage here in this game. They have a pass rush advantage according to our cheat sheet and all the grades we track. Uh, so I, I think the Stafford and and the Rams pass attack do get a slight upgrade here. Although the Bucks defense is pretty damn good in their own right too. So. Uh, you know, for me, I, I'm going to look maybe to play some unders if Fournette does get ruled out. Look at, you know, Vaughn's under rushing yards, Bernard's under rushing yards. You know, I'm guessing they might get put out maybe somewhere in the 40s. I uh, might look to play some there. Uh, but that's kind of all I have my eye on at this point. I think there could be some value on Cam Akers over because, you know, he he did – he if you watch that game, like he was the clear guy for the Rams, even though the final tally count, he only had 17 carries to 13 for Michelle. I think that could really go uh, another another level in uh, Acres' favor this week. You could see, you know, if you thirty touches between those guys in terms of rushing attempts, you could see like twenty five to five in Acres' favor. And Acres is the type of back who, again, like the Bucks are so tough to run on in between the tackles, just like the 49ers are. You need an electric, explosive guy like Aaron Jones with the Packers, like Cam Acres with the Rams, to get out on the edge and the perimeter and, and bust big plays open because. You, you can do that against the Bucks from time to time. So I, I think there is big play potential in Cam Akers. Uh, unfortunately, there's no props out for him yet. So this is a kind of wait-and-see situation. But really monitor those situations with Worse, with Jensen, and then with Whitworth on the Rams, and, and I think kind of plan accordingly from there. Yeah, I think those offensive line injuries are going to hurt you know both teams more or less in the passing game. So, I mean, Fournette did practice today. So, you know, I'm guessing if he if he plays – that they're going to use him. And I agree with you with Cam Akers. I mean, he looked good. I mean, he looked like he was the freshest, fastest guy on the field, you know, and, and I'm not saying that he should be, but, you know, we don't play for that long. Um, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they do use him a little bit. I'm, I kind of like the under in this one too at 48 and a half seems, you know, it just seems a little bit too high for me. Let's jump over to our final game here. We got the Bills. We got the Chiefs. Uh, interesting game here rematch from uh, earlier on in the year where Buffalo kind of took care of business against Kansas City. Kansas City, they'll be a home favorite here, minus two. High total on this one, Chris, 53. I don't know what you see in this game. I'm going to let you go ahead and rip a run on this one first because I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. I have some I have some goofy picks that I like for this one, but I want to see what you think first. What do you got? Well, I, I really like getting uh, Buffalo plus three earlier in the week. Uh, that was available. It, it, it went, you know, it came and went really fast. Now it's down. Uh, KC was minus one and a half earlier today. I think right now it's settled in at minus two uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. But 
I mean, I think every dog is live this weekend. You know, I'm not saying all four dogs are going to win. I, I think you're going to see at least two underdogs win out right here. Um, and I wouldn't surprise to see most, if not all the dogs cover. Uh, that, that's just where I'm at personally, looking at all the data, all the information we have on hand here. I think these are going to be four great games overall. And, and this obviously the nightcap here Sunday night. Um, uh, you're, you just don't really have like th- that big of like advantages on one side of the ball. Or the other w- one thing I will say is that, um, you know, the Chiefs looked really good last week against the Steelers. But, you know, when's the last time we saw the Chiefs look really good against a, a, another really good opponent? And I, I still don't know if the Chiefs have like really figured it out. Uh, you know, I, I know. Yeah, they had they've had 28 points or more. In you know, I think what five, six straight games now, including the wild card round. But you know, a couple of those games came against the Steelers twice, the Broncos, Chargers, really bad defense, and then the Raiders. You know, not so good defense as well. There, they had that shootout loss against the Bengals. So I just don't know. I, I think the I, I think the, the the big X factor for me here is the Bills defense. Like the Bills have a truly elite defense, especially their pass defense. Can they step up? and defend Mahomes in the KC pass attack because that's where the biggest mismatch is on paper here. When you look at everything across the board, uh, the Bills have the number two uh, number two graded overall pass defense when you take their average between their DVOA and their PFF grades. Uh, you know They also have a pretty good pass rush. They're top 10 in the NFL in their pass rush average combining PFF and ESPN's metrics there. So those are the advantages I'm seeing for the Bills is like, but can they do it against Mahomes? And I, and I honestly think they can because this hasn't been the best year. This might be the worst year in terms of efficiency for this Chiefs offense over the last couple seasons. And I don't know if the Chiefs defense is really playing at that high of a level either. So I, I think that to me is the difference where, you know, I see value. If, if maybe, maybe at this point in the week, obviously you can't get plus three bills anymore. Uh, but maybe you throw the Bills, you know, in a teaser and, and you get them up to like, let's say it goes back to KC minus two and a half. You can get the Bills at plus eight and a half or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, that, that that's where I like when it comes to props like I, we hit Gabe Davis last week over in his receiving yards. You know, it was a game where the Bills didn't have to really throw all that much after the first half. I mean, they were just so efficient, uh, you know, seven drives, seven touch, seven touchdowns against the Patriots there in the cold weather. Um but to me, Gabriel Davis like still has value. It's like we have upgrades for Diggs, for Davis, for Sanders, for Knox, downgrades for Beasley and McKenzie because the slot is the toughest place to play against the Chiefs here. Uh, one thing I will say is that Cole Beasley has seen consecutive week decreases in his targets down to 4%, targets per route run down to 13%, air yards down to 5%. Uh, I actually like – I'm, I'm going to take a unit. I'm going to split it up. I'm going to go half unit on Cole Beasley under 29 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to go half unit on Gabriel Davis over 30 and a half. The chiefs have been vulnerable to throw to deep throws on the outside and the perimeter. And that's where we've seen Gabe Davis do hit, do his damage throughout this year. Whereas Beasley, he's basically losing his role to Isaiah McKenzie and McKenzie's looked really good over the last couple of weeks, especially during the, against the Patriots in a regular season when he filled in for Beasley, when Beasley was out with COVID. So I, I think Beasley's role is slipping really big time here. And this might be the last week we can even bet an under on him uh, altogether, unless it like goes down to the teens or the tw- uh, or low twenties. So I, I like that under there on Beasley, given those declining metrics that I just mentioned. And I think Davis, on the other hand, I said this last week, I thought he should have been lined like in the forties or maybe like high thirties. 
he's still right around 29 and a half, 30 and a half. So I'll play the over on him because I think the Bills are going to need to pass a lot more this week against the Patriots. And the matchup on paper is probably twice as good as well. So those are the two plays I like. Might be the only two plays I wanted to play for this game prop wise too. All right. Good stuff there. All right. Let me give you my thoughts. All right. I'll play a touchdown prop. I'm going to play Jarek McKinnon to go ahead and score a touchdown. You can get that at even money. I don't know what you saw, Chris, but he looked like a man possessed. And the Kansas City offense with him back there, it looked like a buzzsaw. It reminded me of the of the Golden State Warriors, you know, where they're down seven and oh, here comes Dre and Claymont and Clay and, and Steph and boom, they're up 16 in five minutes. Like that's what that offense looked like. Bill's offense looks the same, which is surprising. They look dangerous. Like both of these teams right now, um, they look lethal. And I think, you know, I get it. Like, Singletary's looked good. He's looked good. He's looked really good, actually. Um, you and I have been, you know, kind of we, – we jumped on him kind of at the same time and been riding him. But I think McKinnon probably has a pretty good game here as well. But I really think it comes down to the quarterbacks. I think they're going to throw the ball all over the field here. I like both of these guys over their passing yards. I think both hit 300. And also with that, I think that these guys throw the ball so much in this particular game that they both throw an interception in this game. I think if there's turnovers, they're, they're going to come from you know the passing attack. Uh, right now, I think their attempts are at like 36, 37. Don't be shocked if both if both throw for 40 in this game. I don't know how high this game could go. I mean, it, it could hit 70. It could hit 80. I do not see this game going under. I think it's tough. I guess I can make a case for Kelsey over his receptions, make a case for Tyreek Hill over his receptions. Both are at five and a half. I can make a case for that. Um, you know, where's McKenzie at? He's not even on, on the prop sheet. I mean, that dude's been a, been a killer, um, you know, for Buffalo. So it's like, man, like I, and your Gabe Davis play, you know, Knox. I mean, there's so many guys out there that have just been, they kind of got the ball rolling Pringle. I mean, there's another guy we, we talked about him like two weeks ago when I said, look, Kansas city, they need to get away from just Kelsey and Hill. Like they need to get another guy in the mix. So like these teams are right now, they look three, four wide and they got running backs that, that can run and catch that have um, let's just say fresh wheels. I mean, they get, they got fresh tread in the tire. So this is scary. Like this game could be insane. It's probably going to be, I can understand it being maybe the highest uh, playoff game that we've seen in a long time, but uh, I don't want to fade I don't want to fade anybody under in this particular game, but I do like both quarterbacks to go over. I think they both get 300. I think they both throw an interception. I like those four props, and I do like the McKinnon to score a touchdown. So that's where I'm at with that. You got any other final thoughts to wrap this one up? I can't argue with any of the stuff you just said. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to play. He was, he's was he been a full practice all week, whereas Daryl William Williams has not practiced at all. With a toe injury, we know toe injuries can be really bad for running back. So I don't think Daryl Williams is going to play. Uh, but question is, will Edwards Elaire, how much of a role will he have? I, I agree with you. McKinnon looked great. I've been in a McKinnon truther for like the last three, four years, especially the year he uh, signed with San Francisco towards ACL in the preseason. This is really the first time he's had a real opportunity since then. It's been multiple years for McKinnon. So ha- happy to see him have that success there. Just like my boy Gio Bernard ha- had that kind of breakout game there with, with, with the Bucks in the wild card round as well. Um, you know, here, here's a couple things, you know, before we, we sign off here. Uh, Devin Singletary, you mentioned him. 
he has recorded a run of 15 plus yards in seven of his last game, seven of his last eight games. And the Chiefs are worst among remaining eight playoff teams, allowing the fourth most yards after the catch in the league. Uh, and, and then they're also allowing 4.6 yards per carry to running backs. That's the worst number among remaining playoff teams. So, you know, Devin Singletary, longest rush over 13 and a half yards. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can look at here, breaking down the numbers. Uh, Stephon Diggs to score a touchdown, plus 120 on DraftKings. He saw, he's seen three end zone targets in each of the last three regular season games for the Bills. And we've seen four different times this year, a wide receiver has had 100 plus yards and caught a touchdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. Jamar Chase did it. Hunter Renfro did it. Marquise Brown and AJ Brown all did it there. So, and I agree with I agree with you with Dawson Knox. Like that's another upgrade here. Like again, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie playing the slot here going up against. They have a couple really good defensive backs for the Chiefs, but on the perimeter is where you beat them. And the guys running the perimeter routes, it's going to be Diggs on one side, and it's going to be Sanders and Davis splitting on the other side with Dawson Knox pretty much running a hundred percent of the routes in line or in the slot, you know, here and there as well, as well as in the end zone. So, you know, I think there is value on Knox for sure. I really want to go heavy stack in this game. Obviously like the Rogers Adams stack, I want to have a lot of in DFS this weekend, but onslaughting this game is not a bad idea. You know, I, I think people, if you could go full onslaught and like literally just stack this game up on both sides and then maybe have one or two players in your lineup from a different game. And, and maybe that's so you can be a little contrarian compared to the rest of the field that might be afraid to go that all in on, on one game in a DFS contest. So uh, I, I'm with you. I, I, it's going to take me a while to like fully work my way through. <laughs> There's going to be like 20 plays that I want to play sleepy. Probably none of them are going to be unders outside the Beasley one that I mentioned. And uh, I just got to figure out how I want to break up, you know, how, how much, uh, you know, exposure I want to have in this game. What are going to be my final plays? But uh, definitely a lot to like for sure. I agree with you there. Well, the Beasley one makes perfect sense to me. You know, we didn't even mention Sanders you know, in the mix with, you know, Davis and McKenzie and Knox and Diggs. It's like, well, there's got to be an odd man out. And I kind of like, I, I thought Beasley might have been, you know, kind of being held under wraps. And it was like, nah, like, you know, they got Sanders too. He caught a touchdown last week. And it was like, like that team's loaded. And I I like that. I like that Singletary play. And, and the reason being is like, they're going to be able to spread you out so much. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, you know, he's had that type of success. And on the other side, you got McKinnon, like how, I want to ask you a question after I say this, but McKinnon, if he's running full force and you got guys like Tyree kill out there running full force and Hardman, like there's so much speed all over the field that I don't think these defenses are going to know basically what the hell to do. So with all that said, I do want to ask you this question, Chris, because I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think you'll agree. This game is probably close, but I'm curious what you think. What's the deciding factor? Like, what is it going to be that we're going to be able to point our finger at? Because I, I think it's going to be one thing solely. Like, what's that one thing in your mind that you're going to say that's going to decide the game? I mean, to, to me, I don't know if it's too general of a statement, but it, it's it's the Bills' defense, man. Like the Chiefs' defense is is might be the worst defense left in the playoffs, and I think it's kind of a tie between Titans, Bengals, Chiefs. You know, the Bills' top five defense, Rams, Bucks, top five defense, Forty ers even the Packers have like borderline 
top 10 defenses. Like the Chiefs, I'm sorry, like they beat up on some really bad teams over the last couple months. Like I do not think they have a very good defense. They allow 7.2 yards for pass attempts. That's the worst among the eight playoff teams. Uh, again, I told you that they, they allow the fourth most yards after the catch. That's the worst. They allow 35.7 yards per drive. Only the Lions on in the entire league allowed more yards per drive than the Chiefs did this year. 4.6 yards per running back carry. That's the worst, as I mentioned, with the Singletary play there. So, uh, you know, I just don't – the Bills did what they did. Obviously, the Bills cannot replicate what they did against the Patriots. I get that. But, you know, they have a much better matchup here and, you know, better weather type of game. I understand, like, having to keep up with the Chiefs, but the Bills are the ones that have a much better defense here. So, you know, maybe it's that simple to me to where, like, the Bills can use the defense to the advantage here even if we're saying these are two equal offenses. So that, that to me is going to decide the game. Can the Bills play like they have played pretty much the entire year? Because I think both these offenses are going to be, you, you know, firing on all cylinders throughout this game for the most part. You know, what was interesting last week was, you know, the Bills were going up against the Patriots defense. And, you know, you and I, we've collaborated on defensive rankings all year long, and we've talked about defenses all year. And the Patriots were one of our favorite defenses you know in the league this year and it was like dude for them to go and play the way that they did you know they give up 47 points to buffalo who i think you'd agree with me too is like they really never got the motor fully running you know within like the last half of the season it was like boom they they did it against new england and that surprised me but here's where i think the game might be decided and i haven't heard anybody talk about this and it might be a little bit of a screwball kind of uh, kind of prediction here, but this is one thing that we that we, it's one thing we always see, but we haven't seen a lot of it in these playoffs. And I think it comes down to the kicking game for Buffalo. That kicker last week wasn't very good, and we haven't seen the kicking game really in any of these games need to be utilized and relied upon. And I think that this game with this line being two, if you ask me which kicker I trust more. I actually trust Kansas City's kicker more at home. And I think this game might actually come down to a kick to where Buffalo needs to go ahead and make something, whether it be an extra point or a field goal, and they might just come up short and Kansas City might sneak one out. Or maybe Butker, you know, ends up getting a a late kick there somehow because maybe, you know, somewhere, somehow, I think that Tyler Bass um, is going to cost his team, I don't want to say the game, but he's going to put them in a position to where um, they're going to wish that they had you know, an extra point or two or a field goal. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's the only thing I could point out where I could say, well, there's a fault there. And that's the only thing I could really go ahead and, and you know, go ahead and place place any blame, um, you know, when this is all said and done. But good podcast there, Chris. Uh, we wrap this one up. Guys, we'll be back again next week. Uh, we'll try to break it down, you know, for the NFC AFC championship game for you as well. You guys know where to find us on Twitter, Sleepy Jam underscore pregame at Mad Journalist at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the NFL playoffs. Enjoy the games.